Welcome to Fountain Springs Online. At Fountain Springs, we believe in showing unconditional love, irrational generosity, and being unwavering in our mission to show people who Jesus is. We are one church in multiple locations that exists to help grow and guide your relationship with Jesus. We are so glad you've joined us today, and we hope that we can encourage, challenge, and support you in your walk with Jesus. Feel free to join us this coming weekend at any of our locations and services, or call or email us so we can help you in any way. We are so glad that you've joined us today at Fountain Springs Online. Now let's turn our attention to this week's message. Rise and shine. It's 6 a.m. and your hand can't make it to the alarm clock before the voices in your head start telling you it's too early, too dark, too cold to get out of bed. Muscles lie still in rebellion, pretending not to hear your brain commanding them to move. A legion of voices are shouting the unanimous permission for you to hit the snooze button and go back to dreamland. But you didn't ask their opinion. Your heart beats with a compassion for others, but in the back of your mind there is always a question, a hesitation, but you won't let it stop you. The voice you've chosen to listen to is one of defiance, a voice that convicts you, pulling you towards impact you were meant to make. So sit up, put your feet on the floor, and don't look back, because we've got work to do. But what is each day but a series of conflicts between the right way and the easy way? Thousands of roads stretch out before you like a spider's web, each one promising the path of least resistance. But you know, it's not about the rational, it's about the irrational. So it's time. Rise up. Step out. Become a difference maker. I want you to hear some pretty powerful words by Jesus. Uh, you are the light of the world. Like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. That's you. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is to be placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. I think we live in a world nowadays that says you and I, because we don't want to be arrogant, we're cautious about the good deeds that we do. Yet Jesus himself said, you better do something good. In fact, look at these words. I mean, these are his. In the same way, if you've, ever, if you've ever looked at the world and said, you know what, there's just not a lot of light in the world. I don't know if you've ever watched the news and maybe saw a problem or two. I don't know if you've ever had a conversation at work and realized life's not the same that maybe it used to be. If you've ever identified that maybe it's a bit more difficult to raise kids nowadays. If you've ever seen darkness in this world 
then perhaps you're willing to listen to things that Jesus said. And Jesus said, okay, in the same way, if you want to be the light, if you want light in this world in the same way, let your good deeds do it. Not don't, don't go tell people they're going to burn in hell and lead with that. You catch that, right? I mean, you're like, what does it not say? In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly father and catch on. We don't do good deeds so that people like us, right? It's, it's not so that we get status or that even, frankly, so that we feel good about ourselves. <laughs> no. We do good deeds in this world to bring light, which glorifies God. Jesus said this. In fact, if you would be willing, I hope that you might say, well, pretend that Jesus said it directly to you. Where he called your name out and said, hey, you, I want you to be a light in this world. So you've got to start doing good deeds that glorify God. If you're like, okay, I need simpler. Well, I can boil it down. Jesus said this. Make a difference by doing good for others. And you and I, well, I think we're invited into a conversation. <laughs> invited into a conversation that I would tell you if you've ever wanted to face to face with God, if you've ever cried out to God and said, God, would you talk to me? Would you say something? Would you show up? Would you just let me know that you're right with me? He may not address the topic you're asking. Here's what I think you might bring up. Hey, you need to start doing some good. Because the time is short. So you and I get to be a part of a conversation if you're humble enough, mature enough, that you and I would lean in and say, a difference in this world must be made because our world needs more light. And if you don't like the level of darkness that seems to be... <sighs> almost dominating the day, then you have to look at your own life, not the person next to you, <laughs> your own life, and, and let your good deeds make a difference. Let me help you walk this out a little bit. Because uh, I've been, obviously, thinking about this since I wrote a sermon about it. Uh, who, who's made a difference in your life? If you're thinking about difference-making and doing good and I just want you to have fun for a moment because this, this actually should be a very positive little, little experiment here. Just right now, think about it. If you're a note taker, you can even write them down, but at least begin to think about who are the people in your life that have made a difference in your life. Some of you are like, well, I'm going to go way back to third grade. But, but I want you to think about who's made a difference in your life. For, for me, I can, I, it's a long list. Uh, my parents have made a huge difference in my life. I have a great relationship with my parents, and I know that's a blessing. My parents taught me that God is the source of all good. As a kid, I was like, no, I think you guys are the source of my allowance, so that's how that works. But, but I, I grew up being taught that and learning that and then walking out the rest of my life that God is the source of all good. If you got anything good, you should thank God for it. I, but there's other things I've learned that, that aren't as, well, call it spiritual maybe, but my, uh, my middle school basketball coach told me that being on time matters because you don't play if you're not on time. And I learned about punctuality. I, you're like, real, that, that, some of you should have had that lesson. You missed it. Punctuality matters. He also told me that, that effort mattered. And what I found fascinating is as a middle schooler, those lessons about punctuality and making an effort, they don't seem to have changed. They still matter. They've made a difference. There's a long list. I've told you multiple stories. But I imagine you've got people in your life 
that have made a difference in your life. They've done something good in your life. They've actually leaned into your life and maybe changed it or definitely gave a great influence in it, okay? Do you know that the difference you're making is not just visible here on earth? Let me freak you out for a little bit because I'm just gonna bring you into my world. Did you know that the good you're doing here on earth or that you're not, is visible from heaven. We have evidence all throughout the Bible that heaven is paying attention to what's going on here. I mean, there's verse after verse after verse after verse after verse that heaven appears to not be like, what's going? I don't know what's going on down there. I have no idea. No, they know what's going on. But let me, let me just show you one of the places. We don't have time for all the places, but here's one. In the same way, there's, there's more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. Let me help you if you're not understanding. In other words, heaven is aware when someone decides to follow Jesus. They're aware of it. It's not like, we haven't heard. We haven't heard the report. No, they're aware of it. There's other verses that talk about even angels looking down upon us. Heaven is aware of what's going on. And so uh, I've been thinking about this. And... Well, frankly, um, God brought to my attention something that has literally kept me up at night. And I thought I could keep this to myself. Or I can help you have sleepless nights as well. Huh? Would you like to have sleepless nights? I hope so. Because I need, I need someone to also not be asleep. Here's, here's what's messing with you. If, if, if heaven can see what's going on, here's, here's my question. Is, is heaven celebrating what you're giving your life to? If they're celebrating when someone decides to follow Jesus, which means, uh, deductive reasoning, heaven celebrates. They have celebrations, parties, rock concerts. I don't care what you want to call them. If heaven celebrates and it's aware of what's going on, is heaven right now ecstatic about what you're doing with your life? And this has me messed up. Welcome to my world. And if you, think, if you think that was just supposed to be a private conversation between me and God, I don't think so. Because if you have any interest or currently are following Jesus, then you should care about this too. Because in theory, you want to be in heaven someday. You want to be with God someday. You want to walk with him. So you should care about what they're currently celebrating. And so... If that messes with you, like it has literally warped my whole being, um, we're going to have to go after this. So how, what does it look like to make a difference? Making a difference simply means that we stop ignoring what matters. It's not complex, okay? Some of you are like, I, I'm not allowed to make a difference. Uh, may, maybe you've already said, well, it's inconvenient or it's impossible or, or, or maybe you feel like you don't um, have enough money or, or time. Maybe you're thinking that when the kids are out of the house, that's when it's going to happen. And then those who have kids out of the house say, mm -mm. <laughs> Making a difference means we have to stop ignoring what matters. 
We have to lean into this idea that you and I truly, I think this is a part of you. I don't know you all personally, but I think, I think, uh, I think most of us would say if we got to sign up and could go after making a difference in this world, like, let's go for it. Some of us would want the details first. But I love, I love some quotes that I've been reading, one from Edmund Burke that perhaps is very familiar to you. The only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing. If heaven is looking down and deciding whether or not if they're going to celebrate what's going on in your life and my life, and if, if doing nothing lets evil win, you and I have to have a conversation. Don't worry. <laughs> we have not gathered here so that I can bring everybody into a state of guilt. Don't like be, oh, no. No, 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 no. No, this, this is actually, I think, this could be one of the most freeing conversations we ever have. Because I believe you were born with a calling. A calling to make a difference in this world. And we don't just gather because it's church time. I think we gather because Jesus knew that there would be a day that the light would not be near as prevalent. And so he said, okay, when, you, when the light starts to see dim and you're like, I don't know what to do, Jesus has given us instructions on what to do. Go do good deeds that glorify God. But many of us think that we can't. And so I thought, if we're going to talk about making a difference, let's talk about the guy who had uh, no opportunity, no money, no nothing, seemed like he was the worst option ever to make any kind of difference. His name is Nehemiah. Now, many of us, if you grew up in church, you're like, I've heard that dude's name. But, but I want to give a lot more detail to his life. Nehemiah, if you're unfamiliar, you're like, who's Nehemiah? Well, he lived thousands of years ago. And... He had a job. He was a cup bearer. And if you're like, well, so he carried cups all day long. That's what he did. No, that's not, it's a little bit deeper than that. He would test the wine of the king. He was a professional wine taste tester. Some of you, that's your dream job. You're like, I can make a difference doing that? Well, okay, okay, that's, follow me on this. He actually had a pretty uh, cushy job. I mean, if you're going to taste the king's wine, it only has one downside. Uh, if it's poisoned, then, then, you're, then the next guy comes in and fills your role. But it is a pretty cush job. I mean, you're living in the palace, right? You're hanging out. You're eating probably the best food that's in the land. You're, you're, you're probably never having to do a whole lot of uh, what I would call chores, right? <laughs> Doing the dishes. You don't got to do that. Uh, going out and... and Working the garden, mowing the lawn. I mean, this is, this is perfect. It sounds perfect. It sounds pretty cushy. And many of us right now, if we would be mature enough to say, many of us right now live a pretty decent life, at least compared to the globe. Nehemiah was living a pretty good life. So he's, so he's living this life in the palace. And his brother comes to pay him a visit. Now, you could argue for multiple reasons. Why does his brother show up to pay him a visit? I, my conclusion is he wanted to sleep in the, in the Lincoln bedroom. That was, that's what I personally, I'm just kidding for those of you who are like, there was a Lincoln bedroom way back then? No, no, there wasn't. 
But he, his brother comes to visit him, to talk to him, and, 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 they, and they began to converse. And, they, well, and of course he asked the question, Nehemiah asked the question that you would expect to be asked. Because, see, they're not living in their homeland where they're at. Nehemiah is from a place called Judah, specifically Jerusalem. So he's like, hey, brother. Hey, how's, like, how's everybody doing back home? I mean, you probably might ask that when you see family get together. Hey, how's everybody back home, right? And he gets news that I don't think he expected. I mean, Nehemiah's living in this cush life. Things are going pretty well. He sees his brother. He's like, this is probably the epic moment, right? Family's visiting. Check out my job. Uh, probably showing him, look at all the wine. Like, there's all this stuff probably going, this is an amazing thing. But his brother gives him an answer he didn't expect. Let me show you his brother's answer to how's life going on. Things are not going well. For those who return to the province of Judah, returned home. They are in great trouble and disgrace. Don't skip over those words. They're having trouble in life and they're living in disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem has been torn down and the gates have been destroyed by fire. Now you and I were like, What's the big deal? I'll show you Nehemiah's response to this, and this might begin to help us a little bit. When he heard this, or when I heard this, I sat down and wept. In fact, for days, for days, for days, I mourned, fasted, and prayed to the God of heaven. So he gets news from his brother. He's living this coast job. Things are going well. Probably doesn't have many worries in life other than did someone get to the wine before me. All of a sudden he gets news about his people, his land, and they're living in disgrace. Let me give you some historical context. The news he just received is now 140 years old when he gets it. When he gets it, his people have been living in a land where the walls are torn down, the gates have been burned, and that's been happening like that for 140 years. His people have been living in despair for 140 years. This transcends even him. They have been living in this disgrace. They have been living in a state of mind that you would probably just lock onto where they say they wake up with their days. They're living in caves now. They're not living in their town. They're, they're scrounging for food. They're going, I don't know how to even live this life. And they're now living in such a way that like, I don't think any difference can ever be made again. That's why the news came back to Nehemiah. Not only are they having trouble with life, they're living in disgrace. If you've not made this personal, can you imagine that since the 1800s, can you imagine you and I being in our nation and nation after nation after nation comes in and just destroys us? Nothing gets rebuilt. Schools don't get rebuilt. Factories don't get rebuilt. You and I begin to live in caves, barely making our survival happen diminishing even our, our pride. As Americans, we have pride, and a part of it is built in our ability to defend ourselves. Well, they didn't even have that anymore. They lived in shame. They had been rolled over and rolled over by nation after nation, and this had lasted for years. Can you imagine us being in that situation, and we might land on the place where we would say, I give up. And that's what most of them had done given up. 
in the midst of 140 years of desperation and disgrace, do you see that God is interrupting that? You notice you got a guy who's, well, he didn't need a, a high school or a college diploma or degree to be the cupbearer. And all of a sudden, he's got news that has wrecked him. Now's the time to take notes. If you have any craving in your soul to make a difference, don't ignore what breaks your heart. That's exactly what happened with Nehemiah. All of a sudden, he goes from his whole, his whole why to living life was the king's wine. He wakes up, what are you doing? He's like, uh, testing the wine. What are you doing tomorrow? Testing the wine. How about two weeks from now? Testing the wine. I mean, that's what, that was his ultimate why. Maybe some of you feel that way. What are you doing today? Raising the kids. What are you doing tomorrow? The same thing. Some of you are in school and you feel like school will never end the rest of your life. Maybe you're in a job right now that feels like it's just never ending and boring and monotonous. Well, Nehemiah wakes up and pretty much has the same why. All of a sudden, his why is no longer the king's wine. If you don't understand what it means to have a why, let me give you some definition to this. It's, it's your purpose. It's, it's when you say, okay, here's my why. I woke up today. Here's my why. Here's why I'm going to live this life the way I'm going to live it. Here's my why. It's, it's my purpose. Here's my purpose with the day. And right now you might even be able to ascribe, okay, so I woke up today, so my purpose was, and da, 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 da. Let me go back. Is heaven celebrating your current why? Because there is a God-given why. And then there are whys that you and I choose for ourselves, right? I'll tell you this about a why. Very simple, my observation. Our why becomes clear when we accept the difference that needs to be made. It's exactly what happened with Nehemiah. He's living his life, and then all of a sudden, someone interrupted, and everything changed because his heart broke. Some of us right now are ignoring our heartbreak. If you, if you want to lean into it a little bit more, perhaps you've, you've been bothered by something that you've seen, news you've gotten that's bad or whatever, and, and it even, it's not that it bothered you. It bothered you that it didn't bother anybody else. Ever have been there before? Where all of a sudden you're like, man, this is a big deal. And you try to rally people and they're like, I don't really care at all about what you care about. It's why when people tell me, like, we need to save the cats, I'm like, I'm out. <laughs> and it bothers every cat lover. They think I'm a jerk, which I might be. But I'm just telling you, many of us have been in places where what bothers us doesn't bother anybody. But then we begin to ignore what was bothering us. We begin to say, well, then it must not matter. If you want to know your purpose in life, which leads to making a difference, then don't ignore what is breaking your heart. Make sure that you lock onto it and you see this needs to be different. And maybe, maybe God's not telling everybody the exact same thing. Maybe he's leaning into your life and saying, I want you to make a difference in this spot. And it's, instead of going after that, you weigh all the risks and see if anyone else is involved. Do you know that Jesus himself, Jesus, the son of God, 
His time on earth, he had a why. He had a why. I mean, I'll give you the, the most direct statement we have about his why. For the Son of Man, Jesus, came to seek and save those who are lost. You're like, wait a minute. I thought he came to evaluate what songs we were singing as church people. No, mm -mm. <laughs> He came for lost people. There are portions of the Bible just locked on to only talking about lost things so that you and I would understand Jesus' earth time, his why was lost people. If you're at the place right now of the sermon where you're like, I don't know if I have a why. David, that's my problem. I don't have a why. I don't have a purpose. I've been spending years and decades. I don't even know my why. Well, let me give you permission to do something. Steal Jesus' why. Take it. He's cool with that. No copyright infringement. He's not going to make fun of you, but like, can't come up with something original yourself. In fact, I would argue perhaps Jesus' why is in the Bible so you and I would steal it and copy it. Jesus didn't come to this earth to make sure he was elevated, to make sure that everyone saw him. He came for you. And if you're like, so if making a difference is serving others, you got to push that into your life. If you became a student of the whole topic of why, by the way, if you're in, if you're in like the leadership world, maybe, you're, maybe your boss has talked to you already about this. The whole conversation about knowing your why has been around for at least the past five years where people have been trying to figure out, okay, you got to make sure that you don't just go to work and, well, you just go to work. There needs to be a why there. And Simon, Simon Sinek is, is one of the specialists with this. So, and he said something. I think it connects to what we're talking about. When we, when we help ourselves, we find moments of happiness. You have to agree with that. They're, that's not bad, being happy. But when we help others, we find lasting fulfillment. I agree with it. And if you're in search of making a difference, then you got to know your why. If you don't know your why, you're going to jump from cause to cause to cause to cause. You're going to be like, I'm going to try this right now. Oh, no, I'm done with that. I'm going to quit that. I'm going to go to this. You got to know your why. And Jesus came for others. We know that it's more fulfilling to serve others. Maybe you and I can now begin to articulate and lock on to why was I even born? And perhaps it's so that you can be a light in the lives of other people. There's more about Jesus that gives us even more color to this. Perhaps the most quoted verse of all time, John 3.16. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son, Jesus, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. I want you to see something if you've never saw it before. If it's, if it's oh, you see you caught on the love part, which is good. God is love, right? We love that part. That's pretty sweet. And believing, we talk about, well, okay, believe. But do you ever, so that we won't perish but have eternal life? Eternity. Again, I'm just trying to help us all. 
I'm not going to stand up here and talk to each one of you and say, okay, let's try to figure out your personal why. Uh, but I can, I can give you direction to go after that. And so Jesus came to this earth, and his why had everything to do with eternity. I would suggest this, that your why could have as much power and difference making that it affects eternity. And you don't have to be a pastor, please. Let's stop ascribing the idea that you have to go into like full-time that. You can be a carpenter and make an eternal difference. Teachers, come on. You can make an eternal difference. Raising kids, being married, eternity's at stake. And when we read John 3, 16, we get a glimpse that Jesus, when he was articulating his why, looking for lost people, that had this eternity peace to it. And many of us, we stop there, but don't. God's eternity strategy offers us salvation. But look, and purpose. We'll tell you all day long as a church, like, hey, Jesus came to, to save you. That's a big deal, eternity. But John 3.16 doesn't just have to be a verse that mattered to you when you first got saved. It can be your purpose that if Jesus, Jesus, would come to earth and spend some time, whatever he spent his time doing, maybe it wasn't just about Jesus. Maybe it was a model. Perhaps our purpose in life, our, our why, should be based on eternity. I'll tell you as a dad, my number one why for being a dad is to help my kids know who Jesus is as their Savior. My number one role in their life is not to figure out how to make them succeed in sports or academics. I'm not saying those are unimportant, but that's not my why. Walk it out in your life. You gotta know, you gotta know your why. If you wanna make a difference, lock onto your why, you gotta know it. And my fear is this, and look at me very closely. My fear is that many of us as Christians have been trying to live life randomly with no why. The why that we exist as a church, show people who Jesus is. If you want to make a difference in this world, it starts with knowing your why, but I got to give you a warning. I got to give you a warning. Sometimes people like, they don't read the warning label and, and okay, I don't read the warning label. Let's just, I'm going to fess up. I got to give you a warning label to making a difference. Because if you make a difference and you don't read the warning label, you might end up hurting some people. Here's the warning label. Very simply put, when we compromise our integrity, we risk our why. When I graduated college, I had some heroes. And since college, I have begun to eliminate some of those heroes. You ever been there before? Someone that's made a difference in your life? 
someone that's marked your life and has been so good. They revolutionized your life. They spoke great wisdom in your life. They encouraged you in ways that you're like, wow, this person really made a big difference in my life. But then their lack of integrity went public or at least went to your ears and you began to question if anything they've ever said was even true anymore. You ever been there? I've been there. I would tell you that in this illustration, if you don't have integrity and you're trying to be a light, the lack of integrity just kind of lowers that flame a little bit. Or I would say in the worst cases, actually, it spills over and burns other people. And many of us right now live in a world where we have been hurt after hurt after hurt as encountered because someone jeopardized their integrity, which meant their why got compromised. And you're like, who are you? What are you about? I'm totally confused now. So that's why I give you a warning. We all should be making a difference. There's no one who doesn't get to be a part of this conversation. You don't, you don't disqualify yourself. We all should be making a difference. I don't care if you're young and still in elementary or middle school or if you are retired, living that kind of a life. All of us are supposed to be making a difference right now. As long as you breathe, you should be trying to make a difference with your good deeds. But the warning is, be aware of your integrity. Because if you jeopardize your integrity, you will jeopardize this difference. You know, Nehemiah had jeopardized his integrity. Oftentimes we don't talk about it, but he even confesses it. So I'm not even out, I'm not telling you any private information. It's in the Bible. Let me show you this. Listen to my prayer, look down. He's praying, I mean, so, I mean, super honest time. Look down and see me praying night and day for your people Israel. I confess that we have sinned against you. Yes, even my own family and I have sinned. We have sinned terribly by not obeying the commands, decrees, and regulations that you gave us through your servant Moses. He's confessing, you know that 140 years that nothing was happening? Do you know that why nothing was happening? Was there was a breakdown in integrity. They weren't serving God. He's confessing it. If you've ever compromised your integrity you know there's breakdowns that happen. I remember uh, when I graduated college, I went off to be a pastor. I'll give you some history. When I was in seventh grade, seventh grade summer camp, went to youth camp. You should go to youth camp if you're a teenager. But I went to, the, went to camp and the, and the guy speak and said, hey, if you feel, if you feel your, your why, your calling, what you're supposed to do with your life is supposed to be, a, be in the ministry, be a pastor, come up on stage. And I'm like, but I don't want to go on stage. But I felt it. You ever have that where it feels like the, the person speaking is talking to you, but you don't want to be talked to? That was kind of me in that moment. I'm like, but I, I feel like you're staring at me. Right? You have those moments. And I, but I, I was like, I think I'm supposed to. So I went up on stage and Literally, and this, after seventh grade, I knew what I was supposed to do with the rest of my life. In other words, show people who Jesus is with everything I've got. And I would love to tell you that I owned that why. I did not. I took it for a moment, then set it back down. And spent my middle school years, high school years, and college years doing whatever I wanted to do whenever I wanted to do it. Graduated and went to be a pastor because I knew that was going to be my why but still just lived incredibly undisciplined, got fired from my first pastor job. And when I lost that, 
I learned something. When you begin to lose what is important, you realize what is not important. For those of you right now who have jeopardized your integrity, for those of you right now who are cheating on someone, stealing something, lying about someone, and you've compromised your integrity, you, you don't need me to go much further. In fact, you'd like me to stop probably. When you begin to lose what is important, you begin to realize, oh, that wasn't near as important. And so that's why we give you a warning. I want us to be a church that makes a difference. We should be, we should be a church that's like, we gotta make a difference. That's why, yeah, this has everything to do with Love Week and beyond. We gotta make a difference by doing good deeds in people's life. There needs to be light. But we can't be doing that and also at the same time deceiving the people around us with no integrity. Do you, do you see how that's hypocritical? And if you're like, oh no, what do I do? I'm glad you asked that. Because Nehemiah kept praying. Let me show you. It's so good. Oh Lord, please hear my prayer. Listen to the prayers of those of us who delight in honoring you. If you want to make a difference in this world, lock on to your why and spend the rest of your life honoring God. And he'll help you know how to do that. Sometimes as simple as paying for something for someone, waving to someone, and sometimes as strenuous as getting into their lives and being a friend and being encouraging and supporting. But I'm gonna tell you, if you wanna make a difference in this world, Nehemiah had been doing nothing, his people have been doing nothing, his heart breaks, he's like, I got a why now, but I don't have integrity, so now start honoring God. So let me give you two process questions. What is my why? That's for you to answer. I've given you evidence, I think, that helps us understand that our why should impact eternity somehow. It should, it should cause heaven to celebrate about it. And Jesus even gave us a why if you want to steal it. But maybe some of us jump down to what if I let compromise my why? I'd say both of these require a conversation with God. Perhaps confession perhaps just a declaration that you will honor God with your life. In this series, we're gonna talk about how to create a plan. The Bible talks about it, it's so cool. Talk about how to have a plan, how to actually put some, some meat and potatoes behind your why. And then we're gonna talk about like how to stay with your why, how to not quit, those kinds of things. It's gonna be awesome. But before we get to that, we gotta lock in our why and say, I'm gonna honor God with my why. So here's what I'm gonna do, very simple, I wanna pray for you that you would be willing to listen to whatever God has to tell you. So bow your heads, close your eyes. And that's exactly what I'm gonna pray for you and over you. God, I pray for everyone listening who has this craving in their soul to make a difference in this world. God, would you begin to flood their heart, mind, and soul with, with a why? A purpose to, to, to wake up and, and make decisions, a purpose that will lead them throughout their day, their night, and their life. God, would you help us lock on to a why? And for those who have compromised their why, they have 
done things, said things that they regret now, Lord, would you give them grace and mercy? God, many of us are living proof that if we decide to honor you, no matter what we've done in our past, you can make a difference with our future. So Lord, I pray for us as a church that you would help us not only be difference makers, but difference makers with integrity. God, would you continue to give us favor? Favor in the eyes of people in the Black Hills and beyond so that we can do good deeds in their lives so they might know you. We love you, God. Pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.